What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Smart Business Solutions, the official podcast of GBS, America's productivity partner. Each episode, we are going to explore some of the biggest threats and challenges in today's business world and the vast amount of solutions GBS offers to meet them. Well, good morning. Uh, this is Rich Lalo with GBS, and with me today is Jay Malcolm, Senior Account Executive for GBS in our credit union division. And in this role, Jay works daily to deliver banking software solutions to credit unions through our ShareTech core processing system and has been with GBS since 2017. Prior to that, Jay held both consulting and executive management positions in the finance and banking industries and holds degrees in finance and business management. So on the show today with Jay, we are going to be discussing some of the major differences between banks and credit unions, the consumer advantages to doing business with a credit union, how credit unions market their business to potential new customers, and some of the challenges that they face in doing so and the role that technology plays in the daily operations of credit unions. So before we begin, I'd like to welcome Jay to the show and say thanks very much for being with us here today. My pleasure, Rich. Glad to be here. Yep. It's a Friday morning and you got up early to come in with us. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. So if you would start off by telling us a little bit more about your, your background, Jay. Sure. Well, here at GBS, I catch a lot of grief because I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan. I'm oh, surrounded boy. by Buckeye fans. All right, we'll, we'll edit that part out. That'll be one of our edits. Okay. <laughs> but I did grow up in Ann Arbor, and uh, uh, one of the senior execs here, in fact, said that I probably wouldn't be hired if they had known that. Uh, <laughs> and I won't give him give away his name, but his initials are Joe Calabria. Uh, <laughs> Love you, Joe. I think any one of the Calabrias might fall into that Uh, category. Probably, (laughs) probably. But what's relevant about my career background are two things that I'd I'd highlight. The first is I spent 18 years in banking, worked for Fifth Third, also Mm -hmm. worked for Huntington Bank. And what I take away from that is understanding how competitive that industry is. The folks I deal with in the credit union space, they have a really hard job. It's Mm -hmm. a super competitive environment. It's getting more competitive day after day. And on top of that, they've got regulation that's about the most onerous of any industry in the country. Mm, So then I transitioned into software, and I've been in software the last eight years, which I love. It's a a tremendous space. I read that a couple years ago, I read that in software, or or the, the author said that, Software is one of the most creative things that man has ever done. And when Mm. I first read that, I thought, oh, that's hyperbole. But the more I think about it, it's true. You can do almost anything in software. That's true. So the takeaway from my software experience is, gosh, we've got these folks that that are competing in a really competitive, highly regulated industry, and we could ride in on a white horse and bring them technology solutions that just makes things much more efficient and easier for their staff. And it's really fun to do. The last thing I would say is a year and a half ago, I joined a credit union board based here in Ohio. It's a good-sized credit union, almost a billion dollars in assets, and it's allowed me to see that side of the table. So that's been a real pleasure. Oh, that's fantastic. Great. So you said the last eight years you've been software, selling software. And I know you've been with GBS since 17. Mm -hmm. So how did that, how did your career with GBS start? Well, that's kind of a cool story. Dan Miller is my boss. He's been on Mm -hmm. the podcast. Right. And Dan and I were at the same church, in fact, serving in the same ministry. Oh, wow. And uh, he knew that I had a a banking background and I worked in software and he needed talent to uh, Mm. increase his 
his group and meet the growing demand. So one thing led to another, and I came on board in 2017. Well, that's fantastic. That's a great way to uh, to recruit someone. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And did he know about the Michigan connection at that point? He didn't. Okay. He didn't. All right. No. So Dan's off the hook then. All right. <laughs> fair, fair enough. So so tell us a funny story about a sales call you've experienced. We always like to kind of hear these stories from our folks when they come in. Sure. Well, I try <laughs> to not be... Uh, be laughed at in any of my sales <laughs> meetings, but I, I have always tried to bring humor into situations where it's possible because particularly in banking is such a state environment. Oh, right, and right. Uh, so I, I enjoy doing that. And there was one new opportunity, new prospect I had when I was a banker and uh, the name of the company was Ilmore, I-L-M-O-R. Okay. And the president was this wonderful British guy who, in passing, in, in our sales process, he had mentioned that it was one of his big pet peeves if anyone misspelled the name of the company and put an E on the end. Mm-hmm. He hated that because the name derived from founders of the company. So it was, it was personal. Mm-hmm. So the day that I went in with my big presentation, I had a cover sheet, kind of a false cover sheet that spelled the name with an E on the end. Uh And he comes in, he sat down, he looked at it, and he says, oh, come on. (laughs) And uh, I I thought he was going to throw me out right there. Oh, my goodness. So I'm like, no, 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 Paul, turn the page, turn the page. So he turns the page, and there's an exact duplicate with the correct spelling. And so he laughed about it. Oh, nice. uh, And I ended up winning the business. Oh, fantastic. It turned out well. So you brought a little humor into it, and yes. that's fantastic. I like it. All right. So with GBS and in, in, in the credit union division, you guys sell ShareTech as the core processing mm-hmm. system that we sell. So if you would just give us a little overview on ShareTech and kind of the, the functionality and what it does and how we differentiate that from our competition. Sure thing. ShareTech's got a lot of momentum right now, and mm-hmm. we're competing in a really competitive industry. There are probably 40 different players that, that wow. provide core processing solutions to credit unions, many of them small with probably 50 or less clients. And then there are a couple that have 1,000 or more clients. We play right in the middle of that space. We're about the eighth largest provider in the country. And some of the strong differentiators of ShareTech is the fact that it's a modern system. A lot of credit unions are running on really old legacy systems mm-hmm. that were built in the 50s and 60s and written in dead programming languages like COBOL. So they have a really hard time integrating with the new technology that's available. In addition to that, we're constantly investing in our platform to make it better and keep it relevant. Mm-hmm. It's a really dynamic environment that's really important. So we're investing millions of dollars every year in R&D. Great. And the last thing I'd say, Rich, you know this because you work for the company, GBS is employee-owned, and our folks bring all of themselves to the right. to the mission of it, and right. they work hard to ensure that they're not just closing out a ticket, but they're ensuring that our clients' needs are taken care of, yep. and that's yep. a differentiator that's, that's really important. And because we're employee-owned, the tenure of our team tends to be longer, so we have people that have been doing it a long time know what they're doing and buy into it and believe in taking really good care of our of our clients. Yeah, real real experts with the product and in the industry. Absolutely. So, uh, just kind of to uh, for our listeners, what would you say some of the major differences are between credit unions and banks? How are they different different? Uh, there are some big differences, and this was something that I honestly didn't know until I started working with GBS to understand the differences. First, I'll, I'll start with a couple ways that they're similar. 
all in all deposits are both insured or all deposits are insured by the federal government. Okay. So you have the FDIC for banks and you have the NCUA for credit unions. Same deposit insurance, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And a lot of the same products, particularly on the consumer side, products are the same. And the goal is the same to help these customers with deposit and loan needs. But where the differences start is credit unions are member owned and they're not for profit. They don't pay any federal income tax. That's something that the banks, and particularly the community banks, don't don't like. They want to change it, but mm. honestly, I don't think it's it's likely to change. Mm. The capitalization is also different. Banks can raise uh, money through stock offerings, and credit unions can't. Credit unions rely on the deposits of their members, so the growth tends to be slower for credit unions, and acquisitions are harder for them. Mm, Although, interestingly, credit unions have started to acquire banks, but they just can't use stock to finance those acquisitions. Okay. Another thing about credit unions, they are cooperative in nature. They're in league to help each other. They don't really compete with one another, particularly. They do compete with the banks. Many credit unions are small, much smaller than their, their bank counterparts, and that tends to be a challenge of having the appropriate resources to compete in a, in a really competitive industry. Another thing that's particularly interesting, I lived through the credit crisis. I was in banking at that time, mm-hmm. and a lot of the banks got bailed out through TARP. It was a $700 billion bailout, largest in American history to date. And uh, the credit unions didn't receive any money for bailouts. So they really were, they were more responsible. And you might think that that would lead to folks pulling money out of banks and saying, I'm going to go bank with the credit union. There hasn't been that much movement, but, um, but the banks, or rather the credit unions, took less risk and they, and they didn't rely on taxpayer bailouts. Mm. Finally, I would say credit unions are, are paying dividends to members, but mostly they're reinvesting their earnings into providing lower rates on loans and higher rates on deposits. That's excellent. So, how, how does that how does that relate then, as far as rates at uni- credit unions versus banks? Are they typically lower uh, because yes. of that? They typically are on okay. loans. Yeah, they yeah. tend to be lower, and then on deposits, okay. they tend to be higher. Okay, so they're able to provide that value. Okay, yeah, because I, honestly, I I don't know a ton about credit unions myself, so this is great you're for learning. me. Very you're educational right. for me too. And when you say they're member owned, so literally, if you're a member of that credit union, you have your money invested there, or your money is is kept there. You're actually like a part owner of that credit. You union. are okay. Yeah, it's not stock that you could sell, right? But but that's what capitalizes the credit union. Gotcha. Yep, because they cannot sell public stock. Correct. Oh. Very good. All right. Thanks. So why would someone or why should maybe I consider doing business with credit union instead of a bank? What are the advantages other than the ones we just discussed, yeah, I guess? that's a great question. Well, yeah. I'll tell you a story. I worked with a woman named Kathy. She was one of my favorite coworkers at Huntington. And when I got this job, I looked on LinkedIn and I said, hey, who do I know that's at a credit union? And lo and behold, she had left the bank and went to a credit union. So oh, I, I called go. her up and I mm-hmm. said, Kathy, what, what can you tell me about the difference between credit unions and banks? Do you like this better? And she says, oh, tons better. And I said, oh, why is that? And she said, well, I just don't have to push product. You know, there's not the profit motive that the banks have. And uh, for instance, if she's doing a loan, and, and a car loan, 
gap insurance is something that's a product that is available to sell and she believes in the product so she will propose that to someone that she thinks can benefit from that and she said it's just a nice feeling much better i would also say that credit unions are more socially conscious you know a lot of big mm. banks have gotten bad headlines <clears throat> in the last couple of years wells yeah, fargo right. in particular was opening accounts for customers without their knowledge just so those individuals can meet their their growth goals mm. and that's that's something that credit unions just just don't do. So kind of all those pressures that come with being a publicly owned and publicly traded company for profit and all that kind of stuff, credit unions just aren't really subject to that, right? I mean, right. they just don't have those, those external pressures. Right. The last thing I would say why you might want to consider it is customer experience. Mm. Rich, think about the last 10 retail interactions you've had. Can you think of any of those where you had someone genuinely look you in the eye and say, hey, thanks for coming in. I'm glad that you're you're patronizing our shop. No, I really can't. No. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I take notice of it because it's such a rare thing. It is. You know, yeah, absolutely. But credit unions really have focused on that, the customer experience, making people feel welcome, making them feel like part of the family and, and the members that they are. So that's another good reason to consider it. That's great. That's great. So the next thing I wanted to ask you was what some of the advantages and benefits of doing business with a credit union that they could offer that maybe banks don't. And I know you just touched on a few of those. Sure. Is there any anything else there that? Yeah. Well, like I said, uh, better personal service, very yeah. friendly because they have long tenured staff and they're putting the member interest first. But I'll tell you a recent story. I was in Seattle for a trade show and I needed to get $150 cash for my giveaway at, at my trade show booth. And I didn't want to go to an ATM because I didn't want to pay the, the fee for that. Right. Well, as a credit union member, even though I'm in Washington State and my credit union doesn't have branches anywhere near there, I can go into a shared branch. So there's a network of cooperation where credit unions have a shared branch network of like 5,000 locations. There's not even Chase, the biggest bank in the country, can't come close to competing with that. So that's a nice advantage. There are also surcharge-free ATM networks. There's one that has 30,000 ATMs in the network. Wow. So that's a nice advantage. Another thing that credit unions offer that the banks don't is they tend to be in rural markets. That's one of the mm -hmm. reasons the federal government will charter a credit union and say, we'll give you this charter, we'll give you the tax advantage, because they're bringing products and services to folks that would never have a bank branch in their community. Gotcha. And then the other thing that we did talk about already, lower interest rate on loans in general, lower fees for services, and probably more willingness to make loans to folks that need a break or, or need to try to restart their credit mm. uh, history. Great. Great. Thank you for that. So what does the, what does the typical credit union customer look like? Like demographically speaking, if you if you have data on that, I'm just wondering who typically does business with credit unions. That's a good question. Well, they tend to be older than I am, and I'm not young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 50, but the demographics definitely are skewed older. So the okay. good news for credit unions is those are loyal members. The bad news is they're not going to live forever, obviously. Right, so they right. need to replace that group of members. But they also, they tend to be more rural for the reasons that we discussed just a minute ago. I also believe, and I don't have the stats to back this up, but I think if you looked at your average 
credit union member versus your average bank customer. The balances, loan balances would be lower. The deposit balances would be lower in the credit unions. And, of course, there are exceptions to that. Sure, sure. So knowing that then that the the the, the demographic for the, the current customers are, you know, skewed a little higher age-wise, like you said, what what the credit unions typically do or what do you see them doing as far as outreach and marketing to try to attract new customers or young even younger customers to try to keep that you know their customer base growing and going Mm -hmm. well that's a huge challenge Mm. i I mean it's a challenge the banks face i have uh something i bring around to to sales meetings is uh offer that chase mails me a couple times a year six hundred dollar offer if i were to move my deposit accounts to chase bank wow and that illustrates a couple things. One is there's a tremendous amount of inertia. You know, changing a banking or credit union relationship is not something that people would ever want to do. So it's it's really hard to, to do that. Yeah, as as I said, the, the demographics of credit unions are older, so they have yeah. to replace those members with younger members. I, I have four kids. I think a couple of them have never been into a bank branch. And that's so different than than I grew up. You know, my parents right. were in the bank all the time, and I was often with them. Yep. But my kids and many younger people didn't have that experience. Consequently, they're responding to online advertising, and mm. the ones that are spending the most on online advertising are the big banks. And the big yep. banks are the ones that have the best mobile apps, and that's what a lot of people are are relying on now. So, it uh, it gets to be difficult. Uh, one other thing that uh, younger folks tend to be into is purpose and mission. So mm-hmm. this is an area where it tends to be a really nice potential match for attracting people to credit unions because right. credit unions were formed on a mission. So it's a strength of credit unions, and it's an opportunity they can, they can capitalize on. By and large, they're not. They're not capitalizing on it. And I I can't tell you all the reasons why, particularly in an environment where some of the big banks have behaved badly, you'd think that they right. would say, oh, I'm, I'm open to this. Another thing that's interesting about younger generations, millennials, who are not even that young anymore, but millennials want guidance. And the credit unions have an opportunity to capitalize here when they use data analytics to understand their member base, understand where things are going, and then provide those products for them. One last thing I'd add to it, I think it's important that credit unions think about the delivery on their brand promise and how that needs to adapt in the next 10 years. I mean, this is just a really dynamic time. So you could have the greatest staff in the world and treat people really well when they come into to your branch. But what if they don't come into the branch? Then, right. then there's no value to that millennial or younger individual that just wants to live on their phone. And if the if the technology that the credit union is offering on their phone doesn't match what they can get from Chase or B of A, then they just might not go there. Right. Absolutely. So most credit unions, do they have more than one branch or do typically they just, are they just one branch or does that vary? It varies, but there are a lot of, like I said before, there are a lot of small credit unions. So they're just one location. One location. Yeah. Yeah. And, and probably most credit unions are, five locations or, or less. Okay, okay. There are there are some very large credit unions, 
relative to average credit union yeah. size. None of the credit unions rival the largest banks. Sure. But, but most credit unions are small, having just a couple branches. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So you mentioned it in your last answer there, and I and I think that's really a, a, a you know one of the keys, I guess, to everything anymore is technology. So. How do credit unions stack up to, to banks when it comes to technology? I mean, do they offer, you know, can you pay online? Can you deposit online? Can you use your phone? Do they have apps? You know, all the things that the big banks offer, do credit unions typically offer those to, to their customers? That's a great question. I think the whole realm of technology is really the question of the day. And yep. direct answer to that question, do they have these capabilities? It's yes and no. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole spectrum of of whether they offer it or not. I will tell you uh, my personal experience. I get my pay direct deposited. I pay my bills online. If I happen to get a check from someone, I remote deposit that on my credit union app. I can apply for a loan online, Mm -hmm. and I use Venmo to transfer money to other people. I I have almost no reason to go into a credit union branch. Uh, Not everyone is like me, obviously. Right. But self-service is growing, and technology is at the heart of this. Do you use Venmo, Rich? I don't use Venmo. PayPal, anything like that? I use PayPal. Okay. Yeah, I use that all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, and those uh, those products tend to have a really nice user experience. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Venmo. It's yeah. uh, it, the user experience is fantastic. Now, is that a perfect company? I don't think so because I don't I don't see their revenue model giving them sufficient profit to be able to sustain it. Mm. When I transfer twenty dollars to one of my kids, they're making zero money on that transfer. Right. So this fact makes it really really hard for the credit unions to compete with that because the credit unions. You know, do they offer the same thing? A lot of them do, or they're starting to offer the same thing, but they they have to go to a third party to to do that. Uh, and they're paying. So when they facilitate that type of payment, they they might be paying seventy five cents for right. that, and that gets really expensive. You know, sure. you, you want to attract yep. that younger demographic. You want them to use those tools, but then you kind of. Don't want them to use it too much because <laughs> yeah. it could be because uh, that's money out of your pocket. So yeah. it's, it's a real challenge for them to compete with that. But the credit unions, to survive, in order to survive, they have to facilitate those transactions because what they want to gain is primary financial institution status for their members. And that's one of the ways to do it, even though that's a low margin or even a loss leader for them. They need to have the high margin business along with low margin. So high margin for credit unions would be checking accounts that pay no interest, debit card transactions, and lending. Those are the things that they want more of because they make good money on that. Mm-hmm. And then there's low margin that they have to offer products like CDs, interest-bearing checking, bill pay, and person-to-person payments. Gotcha. So the the primary financial designation you just mentioned, what what did can you explain that? Primary financial institution, sure. Yeah. So you probably have relationships with a number of different financial institutions, right? Right. Right. Yeah. But one is the one that where you get your direct deposit. It's the one that you might pay bills online. Gotcha. So that's okay. where, again, it's all about high margin, low margin. You know, a credit union wouldn't mind having 
members that only did one thing if that one thing was a high margin piece of business. Sure. But if you have a credit union relationship where all I do is person to person payments and it costs 75 cents each time, they're losing money. They're on losing you. money. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, gotcha. Um, Thanks. But I'd also say, you know, I've been reading a lot about this being the tech decade in financial services. And if you think about it, there's been very little technology in banking through most of the history of banking. It wasn't until 1970 that the ATM machine was introduced. Mm. When I started working at Fifth Third in 1991, I had a telephone on my desk, and that was it. I had an assistant <laughs> who typed on a typewriter my loan documents. She typed my letters, and she typed my call reports. And at the teller line, all the receipts were handwritten. Um, and that, that was 91. That was 90, 91. So wow. that wasn't that long ago. And no. then you have, you know, toward the end of the 90s, you have email comes mm-hmm. onto the scene and a, a lot of traffic, business traffic starts to move towards email. And then in the last 10 years, you have this explosion of financial technology. And then looking on the horizon, I think one of the biggest most exciting things that could happen as as soon as this decade is blockchain technology. Mm. You might know a blockchain because cryptocurrencies run on blockchain, but they're different things. Blockchain is the distributed ledger technology that provides the identity verification and confirmation of trades and so forth. Mm. So that could be the most transformative and disruptive technology in the credit union space in the coming decade. Since Identity verification is so vital in financial transactions. And right right now, we have this vulnerability to hacking and cyber attacks and so forth. Blockchain is something that could just make this much safer for all of us online. So I'm I'm excited and hopeful that that will come much sooner than later. That sounds like another podcast episode right there on oh, blockchain. It it's, uh, and <laughs> I don't know if I'm the great expert on that, but it's it's a fascinating, fascinating opportunity. That's great. Yeah. So the the last the last question I had for EJ was, and you just touched on it a little bit, but so the future for credit unions. What do you what do you see there? Do you see them staying around and and being viable and kind of adapting and adopting some of this new technology? Or what do you I guess what do you see happening ten years down the road if you if you had had to guess? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Well, absolutely, they're they're going to be around, but there's been consolidation in the industry. Both banking and credit unions mm-hmm. have been consolidating ever since I've been in in the industry, and that's going to continue. But there will be survivors. It's just mm-hmm. going to be a function of the the larger ones will absorb some of the smaller ones because the smaller ones, they just simply can't compete. They don't have the capitalization or the size to compete in this competitive environment. But it's a it's a crazy fast paced industry right now. I I think that it's the time for credit unions that are going to survive. They need to anticipate and they need to act. Mm. I, I read that uh, hockey great Wayne Gretzky, he, he once said he never follows the puck. Instead, he skates to where the puck is going to be. And if you're responding, if you're credit union, you're simply responding. You're going to be too late and you're going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. Instead, what they need to do, they need to take a hard look at their members and figure out what their needs are going to be and then position themselves there. And the the reality is consumers are used to excellent technology tools. Yeah. You think about consuming content from Netflix, ordering from Amazon, seeing commercials for Rocket Mortgage, 
and there's this experience gap that credit unions need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Their members want the experiences that match those experience of Netflix and Amazon and Rocket Mortgage. And they want to also do everything on their phones. Yep. Um, yep. You know, people are living on their phones. Yep. Uh, 5G is going to make that even more true. So that's something they, they need to be looking at and, like I said, anticipate and act. In some ways, looking at the future of the credit union space, it's the best of times and the worst of times. It's the worst of times because competition, which I said is continually increasing. Now, if you have a credit union here in North Canton, Ohio, those members can be solicited by Wells Fargo out of California or some bank in in Texas can literally suck deposits out of North Canton, Ohio Mm -hmm. uh, via mobile tools and so forth. That really wasn't a threat 10 years ago, certainly Mm. not 20 years ago. So that's a threat. The opportunity, though, for credit unions is kind of what I said in the opening. They can leverage technology and have the technology that's just as good as the best banks. I put ShareTech's mobile app up against any of the any of the big bank apps, and it, it's right there where no credit union has to apologize for not nice. having great tools. Mm. So that's an opportunity that they can seize. Another big change is the opportunity for self-service. Credit unions want to become more efficient and operate more efficiently, so they want to minimize the amount of time that the staff is engaged in helping members and let technology do that for them. Same thing the airlines did, same thing that mm-hmm. the grocery stores do with self-checkout and so forth. Right. That's certainly coming to financial institutions. A lot of other, a lot of other things that you know you asked about what is on the horizon for the next 10, 10 years. I think cards are going to go away. I heard an expert say that. You know, I think it'll be facilitated more like Apple Pay on your phone. So your debit card will. Yeah, you just won't have the plastic. Okay. Um, yeah. Still have access to the, you know, being able to pay a merchant right. via your account. But I think the the conduit of that is just going to be a phone. Gotcha. Real-time payments are something that's coming. So if you do bill pay today, it's a... It, it's like a three- or four-day lag on it sometimes. Well, it or, could be up to that, or if it's an ACH payment, it's two days. But mm. but now it'll be the same same day, which well, which right. will be a benefit for the financial institutions because it'll, it'll reduce their potential for fraud or just not having sufficient funds in an account. Mm. Then there are new threats on that aren't even on the radar screen. You know, does Amazon, Walmart, Facebook, do they get into banking? Mm. Cryptocurrency might be something that, that folks start to use in, in the mainstream. And Uber, Uber is an interesting company right now. Dan Miller was just telling me they're they're working on flying cars, but uh, I don't know if that's flying <laughs> cars, unmanned flying cars. That's the new <laughs> that's the new direction they're going. But oh goodness gracious! Um, what's relevant to this is Uber is really functioning like a credit union for their drivers. So the drivers mm-hmm. are getting loans from Uber for for cars, and they're they're basically depositing their cash with Uber as well. So yeah, lots lots of changes, and in ten years, I don't think the industry is going to look anything like it does today. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I appreciate that, and I know it's it's always hard uh, when you're when you're kind of looking down the road, but you know to to see what things are going to be like. But uh, I think some of the things you said make perfect sense, and 
Yeah, with some of the big players out there, you just don't know what they're going to end up doing. Amazon just seems like it just rules the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I I have to admit, I do like ordering something online and having it at my door the next day. It's pretty, it's amazing. Right, and they're moving toward same-day delivery. So, yeah, 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 that's that's the experience gap that I'm, yeah, that, I'm right. that I had referred to. That it's just natural that the members that are utilizing credit unions today, they're going to want that their mobile app to work like the best in the industry. Right. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't get there, then they'll go elsewhere to find it. So yeah. that's that's where you know to bring it full circle. Like I said. That's the fun part of our job because we can li- we can bring modern technology tools to these credit unions, and they're not that expensive. They're affordable for them, and they can uh, bridge that gap. That's fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. This has been great. I've learned a ton. I'm sure the listeners will as well. So thank you for your time and for sharing your knowledge with us, and hopefully we can, we can do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks, Rich. My pleasure. Thanks. Appreciate Bye. it. This show has been a production of GBS. For more information on the topics discussed today or the solutions offered, contact us at marketing at gbscorp.com. That's marketing at gbscorp.com. Or you can call at 800-552-2427. And lastly, check us out on the web at www.gbscorp.com. That's www.gbscorp.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes.